Usually, when something is broken, its value declines or disappears altogether. Broken dishes, broken bottles, broken mirrors are generally scrapped. Even a crack in furniture or a tear in cloth greatly reduces its resale value. But it isn't that way in the spiritual realm. God puts a premium on broken things, especially on broken people. That is why we read such verses as, "The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart, and saveth such as be of a contrite spirit." Psalm thirty-four eighteen. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. O God, Thou wilt not despise. Psalm fifty-one seventeen. God knows how to resist the proud and haughty. But he cannot resist a person who is humble and contrite. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. James four six. There is something in our brokenness that appeals to His compassion and power, and so part of His wonderful purpose for our lives is that we should be broken, broken in heart, broken in spirit, and broken even in body. Second Corinthians four. Six to eighteen. Conversion, a form of brokenness. We are introduced to the breaking process prior to our conversion, when the Holy Spirit begins His work of convicting us of sin. He must get us to the place where we are willing to confess we are lost, unworthy, deserving only of hell. We fight every step of the way, but He continues to wrestle with us until our pride is shattered. Our boasting tongue is silenced, and all resistance gone. Lying at the foot of the cross, we finally whisper, "Lord Jesus, save me." The shrew has been tamed, the sinner has been mastered, the colt has been broken. Yes, the colt has been broken. By nature, the colt is a wild, lawless creature. At the merest suggestion of a bridle or a saddle, it will rear, bolt. Leap and kick. It may be a beautiful, well-proportioned animal, but as long as it is unbroken, it is useless as far as service is concerned. But then comes the painful, prolonged process of bending the colt's will so that it will submit to the harness. Once the colt's will has been conquered by a higher will, the animal finds the real reason for its existence. In this connection. It is good for us to remember that the Lord Jesus was a carpenter in Nazareth, and as such, he may have made wooden yokes. Someone has beautifully suggested that if there had been a sign over the door of his shop, it probably would have read, "My yokes fit well." But the point for us is that our divine Lord is still a yoke maker. He says, "Take my yoke upon you and learn of me." For I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Matthew eleven twenty nine and thirty. However, yokes are only for those who are broken and submissive. Our wills must be subdued and yielded before we can learn of Him. He was gentle and lowly in heart. We must become like Him. And only in doing so will we find rest for our hearts. Elements of brokenness. 
But that brings us to the basic question. What is meant by true brokenness? How does it manifest itself in a believer's life? What are some of its basic elements? Repentance, confession, apology. Perhaps one of the first things we think of is a readiness to confess sin to God and to those we have wronged. The broken man is quick to repent. He does not try to sweep sin under the carpet. He does not try to forget it with the excuse, Time heals all things. He rushes into the presence of God and cries, I have sinned. Then he goes to whoever has been hurt by his actions and says, I was wrong. I am sorry. I want you to forgive me. If, on the one hand, he knows the scalding shame of having to apologize, on the other, he knows the great release of having a clear conscience and of walking in the light.